All right, this is Brent Weary, and with me right now is Sam Malakarjanan. Sam is the head of e-commerce marketing for HubSpot. Sam, thanks for joining me, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we jump in and start really digging into this ebook on uh, e-commerce conversions and testing and optimization that you did with a buddy of mine, John Colderice Lawson, maybe I can get a little bit of your personal background before we jump into that. Sure. So like you said, I'm the head of e-commerce marketing at HubSpot. Uh, the role is twofold. Primarily my job is to generate leads of e-commerce companies and send them to my sales team and so that they can work with them on implementing inbound marketing. Uh, part of that is creating, testing, and researching a lot of the theory of how e-commerce marketing is done nowadays. So we actually run our own shop. We have shop.hubspot.com where we sell things like apparel and books and some other things like that. Uh, I think we're actually going to put John Lawson's book in there. He asked us to do that. Um, and in that, we test a lot of the things that we talk about. So we talk about how do you attract people to your website with things like blog content and social media and search optimization. We talk about how to convert people with calls to action, pre-transactional conversion, and landing page optimization. Uh, we also talk about how to nurture people throughout the process using, using multi-channels, so using social media, using um, marketing automation, things like email personalization, and then also even we, we do a lot of testing kind of with uh, mail and even phone calls that a lot of e-commerce companies use uh, to kind of nurture customers. So that's my current background at HubSpot. Before this, I was one of our first e-commerce consultants, um, and I'm also the, book, the author of the book, How to Sell Better Than Amazon. Oh, wow. Okay. I've got to check that book out, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the precept of How to Sell Better Than Amazon is that uh, Amazon is this huge, massive juggernaut, right? It makes almost $100,000 a minute in revenue, and that data is like a year old, so I'm sure it's more by now. Um, what Amazon isn't very good at is competing in the research phases of the buying cycle and the awareness phases of the buying cycle. They're very, very good at if somebody knows that they want a whiteboard to hang on their wall, helping the customer find that and helping them find it at a great price. What they're not very good at is knowing that somebody wants to build a home office, helping them research the things involved in that, and putting that together into a kind of jobs or use case oriented uh, research and nurturing process to help people make purchasing decisions. The other thing that they're working on but they haven't mastered yet is the concept of customer lifetime value nurturing with personalized messaging. So, so both ends of the spectrum, right? They're very good at the middle when somebody knows what they want to buy, getting them that at a good price. But they have such a massive catalog, probably some, somewhere in the area of a million SKUs, that they have a really hard time um, using data and using kind of the narrative buyer personas that we've talked about in order to send the right message to the right person at the right time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how things have changed over the years. Now, you mentioned Amazon, and I had an opportunity, I'm in the midst of writing a book about Amazon, but I, uh, sure. I had an opportunity of talking with a gentleman by the name of Rick Ayer, who is the guy that designed their first website. Uh, he was brought over, or hired by Bezos, away from PC Magazine. He was their executive editor over there. Uh, to become the VP and executive editor of Amazon.com. And so uh, and even in the early days of e-commerce, there was a huge premium put on uh, writing great content in order to, as, as Rick says, 
not just to attract but to captivate and entertain uh, a potential buyer. Uh, fast forward 20 years or so, you're at HubSpot, which is a company well-known for inbound marketing and content uh, and growing as a, being known for e-commerce. How different is it today compared to 20 years ago when you look at the importance of content to e-commerce? So it's, it's fundamentally the same, but it's different in some key respects. First, uh, when e-commerce was first kind of growing and Amazon was one of the first really big successful companies in e-commerce, uh, the people online and the people making purchases online tended to be early adopters. So, and by that, they tended to be risk takers. They tended to be, make decisions quickly. As the market penetration of e-commerce is growing, e-commerce sales will grow globally almost 20% every year more and more people are hopping online who have a longer research process. If they're buying a TV, if they're buying a couch, if they're buying any of these things that we sell, if they're buying a space heater for their home, whatever it is they're selling, people are coming online that need more information to help them make a decision. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Jeff Bezos was when he originally started allowing negative reviews on the website. Somebody told him, one of the publishers told him, uh, you shouldn't do that. You, you're hurting yourself. You make money when people buy something. Why would you discourage them or allow them to be discouraged? To which Bezos replied, I don't make money when people buy something on my website. I make money when I help somebody make a purchasing decision. So that's, that's underpinning and, and very basic way of approaching customer marketing and customer acquisition in e-commerce hasn't changed. What has changed is the ability to... Um, bring people into the website. So websites used to be kind of this skyscraper where you had one front door, that was the home page, and then people had to go through many floors to kind of get where they're going. The increasing prominence and accuracy of search engines as well as social recommendations and social sharing has made it so that a website now is more like a three-story building with thousands of front doors. They can come in on a blog article, that was shared in social media. They can come in off of, an SC, uh, off of a search engine for something, either a blog article or a product detail page. But then the customer is usually only a few clicks away from a conversion point, either buying something or converting into your database as either a subscriber or a pre-transactional conversion with something like a buying guide. So although the fundamentals haven't changed, the execution has changed a lot, and also the demands of customers have changed a lot. We get, we're getting away from just the early adopters who are buying stuff online, and we need people want a an experience that customizes itself to them. They don't want to have to invest lots of time and mental energy in finding the information they want and making a purchasing decision. And the people that win that contest is the one who's, who are winning the sales. So just recently, uh, Amazon announced the ability to use a hashtag to uh, tweet with that hashtag and have a product that's uh, there's an Amazon product link in that tweet will get automatically thrown into uh, your uh, shopping cart. How mm -hmm. does, uh, kinda, does that help? Is that something that's going to, you think, going to be a big development when it comes to e-commerce shopping, or is it something that's more of a eh, nice to have? But do you think being able to kind of, as you said, uh, if I have a buddy of mine who buys a product and uh, uses Amazon's uh, functionality to to announce, hey, I brought on Twitter or Facebook, hey, I brought this uh, new TV, and I see it because I'm following them on Twitter, and I say, you know what, that TV looks kind of interesting. Let me go ahead and use the hashtag 
I'll, I don't have time to look at it later uh, now, but I'll, maybe I'll look at it later so I can quickly do that and use that hashtag, put it in the shopping cart, keep on moving, and then when I have time, I can go back and look at my shopping cart and say, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll go ahead and buy it. Do you think that's something that's a, a big development or more like a kind of a fad kind of thing? So I don't think it's a fad. I think it's a really interesting thing for a couple of reasons. One, um, Amazon is getting is trying to get a lot better at owning the customer experience, at solving the issues that my book brings up, right? Owning the customer experience both in the research phase and in the post-transactional phase. They want to own that customer for life and be what, we, what they call, right, the everything store to that customer. Uh, one of the interesting things about making people connect their Twitter account to Amazon is Amazon then gets lots of rich behavioral and uh, psychographic data about the customers because they can connect a shopping record to somebody's social activity. They can say, what do these people tweet about? What other websites are they reading? They can use that to guide the information. Um, you could already do that in the past. If you had somebody's email address, you could hit Twitter's API. Um, and if they use the same email address for Twitter, you could connect those two contact records and get a holistic view of that person. Amazon's taking that to the next level by increasing the accuracy. A lot of times people use different email addresses for different things. This allows them to circumvent that particular consumer quirk and get a truly holistic view of that customer's social interactions. In addition, um, the primary method that social networks have used to monetize has always been advertising. And advertising is broken. Uh, it's a, it's not a great model. Essentially, it's the concept of how do I get this awesome thing and then interrupt it with ads just enough so that the other so that the people don't actually stop using it. If it's a TV show, how do I interrupt it with enough ads so that people don't stop watching it entirely? If it's Facebook, how do I fit as much ads into the UI as I can without people actually stopping using Facebook like they did with MySpace because it was just too overwhelmed with ads? Um, I think the more interesting thing with this is the trend of social networks monetizing through e-commerce. E-commerce has far better economics uh, than advertising. Uh, Facebook's another great example. You know, they, the average Facebook user is worth maybe $5 a year to Facebook. If you could, Facebook has all this rich information about who we are, who we're connected with, what we like, what groups we're reading, what content we're containing and consuming. If they could leverage that information into a smarter sale like Amazon's trying to do, um, they would be able to make a lot more revenue per user. Uh, Pinterest, for example, I would love to see a pin this to my cart button on Pinterest. So I think Amazon's doing what Twitter itself should be doing, and I think Amazon's doing what all the other social networks should be doing, which is taking the amount of contextual and social and behavioral data that's available in social media and reducing the friction that separates that from an actual e-commerce transaction. Now, now we're talking about the big guys. Uh, in e-commerce, of course, Amazon, and there's several others. You know, Alibaba's getting ready to IPO. But uh, you sure. guys just recently, like I said, put out this e-book, e-commerce conversion optimization and testing. <coughs> Excuse me. Very critical, very important pieces of the puzzle. On a scale of one to ten, uh, how do you think the uh, kind of the small e-commerce operators are doing in those areas of conversion and optimization and testing? Is it something they they uh, are getting better at? Is it something that they, there's still a ways for them to go before they can they're actually have it, I won't say perfected, but that they're really effective with it? Or is it something that they still really haven't grasped and, and don't do enough of yet? 
Sure. So I think e-commerce marketers have been lulled into a false sense of security by our own success. Um, most e-commerce marketers have sales that are growing just because e-commerce itself is a good idea. Like I said, it, sales are growing 20% year over year for the industry as a whole just because e-commerce is a good idea where people are buying stuff online and that leads to more sales. Um, what e-commerce hasn't done is innovate in the areas of inbound marketing. They're still very heavily focused on things like pay-per-click and on-page SEO. Uh, and they underinvest in things like testing, optimization, and kind of life cycle marketing and, and life cycle management for the customer, as, as well as kind of a holistic approach to the customer like Amazon's trying to do with Twitter. Um, most, we, did, we recently did a report called the State of E-commerce Marketing uh, at HubSpot. And 60% of e-commerce marketers aren't even measuring something as fundamental as their abandoned cart nurturing rate. That's, the, that's one of the easiest wins. If you have 50% of your carts that are being abandoned and you can recover 10% of those, that's a 5% list in sales just by sending people a couple of emails. But most e-commerce marketers are very heavily focused on how do I drive more traffic, just feed more into my leaking funnel uh, rather than fixing the leaks in the funnel. And that's really what conversion optimization and testing is about is if I'm getting 1,000 visits to this product detail page and I'm getting from that, I'm getting you know, 20 customers, how can I make small changes with the call to action button for adding to cart, with pre-transactional offers for people who aren't ready to buy yet but who could benefit from some more education, uh, with social proof and social integration. They're not experimenting with that. They're for the most part using whatever stock product detail page comes with their shopping carts or whatever their designers tell them looks pretty and they're not actually focusing on ongoing testing and ongoing optimization. So I, I think it's not something that we've done a good job of in the past, particularly in the mid-sized and small business space. Yeah, that kind of jives directly with uh, some data that came out from Adobe a couple of months back that said something around for every $92 spent on lead generation customer acquisition, only about a dollar fifty is spent on actual conversion and nurturing a lead. So, as you said, they spend all this money trying to generate leads, but they don't spend enough time and effort, resources, and, and money nurturing the in on, on nurturing programs and conversions. Like, you know, you get the lead, and if it doesn't automatically, uh, you know, convert on its own to a ten thousand dollar deal or something it's viewed as not a good lead where chances are you probably haven't spent enough time nurturing it before it becomes something like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, talk a little bit about conversion rates, landing page conversion rates, where we are, and uh, how can particularly smaller e-commerce operators, how can they uh, up the conversion rates that, from where they are today? Yeah, so when you're doing A-B testing, particularly when you have limited resources, the key is to focus on variables that are, are the most disruptive or have the most leverage. Um, the easiest win is usually email, A-B testing emails, for example. How do I improve the engagement and click-through rates of my emails, either by sending less and making them more targeted or by improving the experience of the emails? In terms of landing page and product detail page design, um, most product detail pages have a terrible add to cart button. It's gray, it blends in with the background, it's very small, they have beautiful imagery, they have this long, super text-heavy description, 
Um, we've had customers before who all they did was A-B test the Add to Cart button, and they improved the conversion rate of the product detail page by 1,500%, uh, which is a huge amount when you consider the amount of people who are funneling through e-commerce transactions. Most e-commerce stores don't approach their shopping cart as the selling tool that it really is. In B2B, you generate a lead. You shoot that lead over to a real-life human being. That real-life human being asks qualifying questions and customizes the sales messaging and positioning to the customer in order to get the sale. That's why sales reps have a pretty good win rate. For an e-commerce company, you have one sales rep. It's a shopping cart. It has to sell to sometimes hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of customers a month. And we don't give it any of those tools. We don't capture, collect, or leverage any of the information that will help create a customized buying experience for that person. We don't help it, we don't help it make the sale easier. Right? A sales rep will follow up with you and badger you with phone calls until you send back the payment information. But for the product detail page, for example, we don't always make it easy and frictionless and obvious how it is you can actually buy something and combine that in a way that makes sense with why you should actually buy something based on the information that the retailer has. been having a great conversation with uh, Sam from HubSpot. Uh, Sam, before I ask you to, to, to share where people can get the, the, the book that we've been kind of discussing, can you give us maybe the top, maybe additional things, because you just really laid out some great, uh, great resource, great information. But are there any real easy, quick fix things, maybe one or two, that e-commerce operators should could concentrate on and at least get a quick win that's something that can be easily kind of solvable and also show up a, a pretty substantial uh, uh, result? Yeah. The, the biggest change that I want e-commerce companies to make is to stop thinking in terms of transaction and, order, and average order value alone and to start thinking in terms of customer acquisition and customer lifetime value. It seems like a semantic distinction shifting from average order value to LTV, but it changes how you approach everything. It changes the focus that you have on post-transactional nurturing. It changes what kinds of customers you go after. Just because it's easy to sell lots of little uh, people who are doing whiteboards, if you're not creating the kind of content that's going to bring in the people who buy either lots of whiteboards or who buy from you repeatedly, you're not going to be able to nurture successful long-term customers. Customer acquisition is something where there's very little leverage. E-commerce has gotten very good at acquiring customers. PPC is about as expensive as we can make it. SEO is about as good as we can make it. Um, and you're competing with sites like Amazon who have this mentality of I can almost take a loss on my initial transaction when it comes to customer acquisition because I'm so good at selling them over and over again. Um, there are some, for example, flower retailers who have this thing. They'll give you, you know, your first order basically free. They acquire the customer. Then they ask you for your anniversary date, your wife's birthday, when your children, all this other kind of information, and they get really, really good at selling to you over and over again. So changing the way that you look at your business economics changes the way that you approach marketing. And I think that the easiest win for people, easiest to deploy, is always abandoned cart nurturing. If people aren't doing it, you're missing, you're losing money. It's not even hard. There's lots of, even if you don't use something like HubSpot, there's lots of, even, of easy plugins that will just do basic abandoned cart nurturing for you with most shopping carts. Um, the other thing that I think people need to understand is really attacking that research phase of the buying cycle. 
Amazon has a hard time having a blog about running a home office. That's something that an individual retailer who has maybe a thousand SKUs or five thousand SKUs uh, focused around a single type of customer can do a great job at. You can be an excellent resource in attracting, educating, and converting and engaging with those types of people in a way that the big box retailers won't be able to. And that's what prevents you from having to compete on this constant race to the bottom of margin flashing. Yeah, great conversation with Sam Malakarjanan from HubSpot, their head of e-commerce. Sam, where can people uh, download the, the particular ebook, but also all the different resources that you guys have uh, around this area? Sure. So you can go to HubSpot.com slash e-commerce. That's the e-commerce hub at HubSpot, and find a bunch of resources there. Um, on there, you can also find the ebook for conversion, optimization, and testing that we wrote with John Lawson. <laughs> 